in the back seat. That way he can be asked to come up front. <laughs> Amen. May God anoint the time. Um, oh, one little announcement while you're coming up. I thought it would be nice, and I forget announcements, but uh, the bathroom upstairs, if we could kind of make that available for the people with the little childrens and people that have a hard time going up and down the stairs. And the mamas, and I think all of us guys are pretty healthy. We can probably go up and down the stairs fine. And um, any of the young people, young ladies that are healthy or uh, there's two bathrooms downstairs and there's one upstairs. So if we don't, I know it's easy to go to the one upstairs, but uh, don't be afraid to use the ones downstairs, us that can't. Take liberties. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Exciting to be with you again. You guys are such a blessing to me. And... Happy to see many of our friends, families, happy to be together because we are here to meet with God. We've been enjoying his presence and some communications and encouragements, and I pray that you really want to receive from God what he wants for your life, and that you're really willing to let your vision be aligned to his vision, and that you'll have a vision for your life with great stability with a clarity of testimony, with a clarity of purpose. And as we've been talking about convictions and self-examination, we're praying to be able to communicate about the formulation of convictions. How are you determining practical applications of the Bible or principles of the Bible? And I pray that you're willing to hear from heaven because God's Spirit speaks specifically, clearly, And God has very unique, special giftings and abilities he's given to each individual. Every single person ever created has a very specific and perfect purpose and usefulness in the hand of God and has a very special place in the heart of God. Every single person. And I pray that we would really learn and grow and receive from heaven what he has for us, and that we would be able to at least understand some starting points and be encouraged by some that have gone before us and by the examples we have around us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Holy Father, what a blessing to be in your presence in the house that is called by your name, this house of prayer for all nations. And Lord, the power and blessing and glory is all from you and to you. Lord, if it were not for your spirit and your word, we would not be here. Lord, we would be empty and of all men most miserable. But we thank you there is a resurrection. There is a Christ that we know and love. Lord, this is the basis of our salvation, that we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and we have been saved from sin. We believed on you and we've been born again by the word of God, the promise of the Father that you would save through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ as we believe on Christ and the death, the burial, the resurrection and the deity. And Lord, because of this working of your spirit, we're born again by the word of God, the testimony of Christ. We are born again and have newness of life. We now have a new mind, a new purpose, a new vision. We have learned of Christ and we have the mind of Christ. Very simple Bible doctrines we often speak of, but Lord, we thank you there's a core belief system that we've known and understood, whether expressly or 
Just vaguely, we've known and meditated on many points. Lord, we pray that you would set in order the things that might be lacking in our faith, anything we've been neglecting or forgetting of the solid principles of our faith, the truth of the Word of God, the doctrines of righteousness and of all the factors of you, all that you've communicated through time and through eternity, your name and your nature. And we know, Lord, without this confidence, without this belief of you and what you've spoken, without faith, it is impossible to please you. But, Lord, he that comes to God must believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So I pray, Lord, that as we have believed with our mouths and professed with our hearts and mouths, we've testified of your lordship in our life. We have testified, almost all of us have testified, that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord and he is our master. But, Lord, in many things, We can be insensitive to your spirit. We can resist your spirit. We can hinder the church of God. We can grieve the spirit of God. We can break down the testimony of Christ. We can see your name blasphemed in the world through what's going on in the profession of churches. Because the possession and the profession are very different. Practical application, as we spoke of yesterday, the applications of the word of God are missing. Christ's likeness is not shining. Our heart is divided and We are friends with the world. And Lord, if the love of the world be in us, then the love of the Father is surely not. And I pray, Lord, that we'd be sensitive to discern your speaking, that we would hear your voice clearly today in practical applications of the principles of God, that we might stand strong and complete in all the will of God. For this is the will of God, even our sanctification. And Lord, this setting apart process is the revelation of the word to our hearts by the Spirit, By the word of God, we read and meditate and by the lives of men and women who live godly and the principles of their lives are laws to us that inspire us. We see Christ in them and we want those characters of Christ in us. And Lord, it is your spirit that leads each individual into the specific purpose and calling of this narrow path that we might be useful, ready arrows in the hands of the king as little children are trained up in their family. And if we have a godly vision, we would desire them to be trained up for the glory of God, that we have a a period of time that we pour into them, a period of time that we mentor and train and guide until the day in which they're launched out. And Lord Jesus, we are here together in this short time that you would speak to us by your spirit and that you would prepare us, Lord, for today, what you have for today, and that even from today and from these meetings, we would be changed Lord, it's not the wisdom of man that will affect us. It's not the influence of man speaking, but it is the power of God by the Holy Ghost that dwells within each one of us. And as these principles are presented, your Holy Spirit bears immediate witness to the sincere heart. Lord, many stripes to a fool's back, and yet will not his foolishness depart from him. Lord, please let us be sensitive and sensible to your Spirit speaking, because, Lord, it is your Spirit that speaks and your spirit within us that echoes back, yea and amen. We know who you are, and we know the truth of your word, and when we hear it, we know it. And when we know it, we are absolutely accountable to the application of it in specific situations that you have known and ordained in each individual life. So, Lord, let us apply the word of God today. Let us receive from heaven what you would have, and let there be a practical guidance of a life led by the Spirit that we will not walk in the flesh. We will not live like other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, but that we would put on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and making no provision for the flesh. We would crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts, and that we would walk in the glorious liberty of the children of God, spontaneous, free-flowing acts of love that show the glorious work of God and the law of God written on the heart and the conscience bearing witness and the Holy Spirit inspiring good works. We thank you for the plethora, this uh, bountiful ammunition of the word of God that can direct our hearts and minds and how we can sharpen one another in the gospel truth. Lord, let us be effective, useful weapons and tools in your hand as we use the word of God as a sword, as we use the word of God bearing up its faith, the doctrines of faith and this shield whereby we stand, your word that's like a fire and like a hammer, and this two-edged sword that divides asunder soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, discerning thoughts and intents of the heart, because we know that all things are open, naked, and bare before the eyes of him and whom we have to do. The judgment that is coming will be very clear, and according to the truth, we have known. According to the truth, we have heard. According to the truth, we have applied or denied. Lord, prepare us for that judgment that nothing will be ashamed, but with all boldness as before, so now also Christ will be magnified in our bodies, whether it be by life or by death. These guiding convictions and principles are the factors of our life because you are our Lord. And you've laid these things clear before us. Bless us today, Lord, as we seek your face in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know that the messages are recorded, so... I've shared a little bit to the basis of the foundations of what we're sharing about in these few days, and I'm of all men most weak and miserable, but by the power of God, we can communicate truth, thank God. So God can use a donkey, and um, in Hindi, uh, donkey means dons, and so, uh, so no joke with my wife, but donkey, putney means a, you know, a donkey's wife. So Don's wife a play on words can be the donkey's wife. And uh, I thank God that, that God is faithful and God has a sense of humor. My wife's, name's, my wife's name is Aradhana, which means worship. And my name is famous around the world as Mafia, Don. India came out with a few movies, D-O-N, which is Don. So I, when I came to India on every billboard, I saw Don, 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 Don. And I thought, wow, okay, they, what a welcoming party. And I'd tell people my name, and they'd stagger back and say, you're Dawn. And it was great. I know you, most of you have heard that testimony, but that's my readiness with the arrows of the truth of God. Why? Because I want to be what God has made me to be, right? So I'm a ready evangelist. So the door is open. And Dawn means mafia, gangster, ruffian, troublemaker, Teflon Dawn, and so on. So immediately with the arrows of God, I said, Dawn. No, 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 no. I have more power than a Don. And they're like, whoa. I said, I used to be a Don, but now I have more power than a Don. I said, Don can kill. But I said, I serve God who can raise the dead. And the words that I speak, they are light and they are life. And, and it's fascinating to see people just light up. And then we laugh and joke a little bit as I keep, you know, a few arrows from afar and then a few daggers near. The word of God practically applied. And my first couple moments of meeting are good times for sowing. But what's in your heart will overflow. And who you are will really impact others. Your personal convictions shine and scream aloud. Now, we have to live a life that represents the truth we preach, but we must preach or communicate the truth. 
Not only in precept, which would be an application of a truth, but in, in its word, its verbiage. Communicate it. Encourage. Talk to people. Tell them why you do what you do. Why you talk the way you talk. Why you live the way you live. Tell them of Jesus and, and of how he can save sinners. You don't have to always just say, Jesus died for you, and if you believe on him, you can be saved. You can weasel that into a good testimony or a good story. Practice. And I'll be happy to talk with you on that. We can figure out creative ways to share your testimony and little points of truth because if you're ready with these little daggers and these little arrows, it's very useful. But I'm sharing with you today on the formation of convictions. And there's some simple things, and I, I don't want to be um, too philosophical, and I don't want to try and communicate business to you, but um, there are a lot of legal contracts that are written with um, mission statements, the statement of your business, your organization. Um, what are your principles, and what are the breakdown of application to those principles, and then how do those things apply in your work? And so these are often legal documents, and we have different bylaws that communicate. So if it's a big corporate or if it's a partnership, there's these communications between each other that we're starting this business. Here is our main goals. We agree on these things. We have a perfect vision on this. This is our solid, absolute, unshakable principles. And then from this, we'll break it down more practically, and we'll break down different levels of authority, different different um, uh, positions, different um, uh, scenarios or applications or different departments wherein, um, let's say, you have certain authority and then you have full authority in that department and I have full authority in another. But these things are clearly written in these uh, bylaws of a clear contract. And I think as believers, we need to be very open and honest with one another and we need to communicate clearly, share that we want to be able to share practical principles. But I want to ask you, individually to think about these things. I just, I'm just only planting seeds today. I'm sorry, we're not doing some sort of workshop where we'll sit down and actually write out, but maybe you can today. Sit down and write out um, some more practicals, maybe some bylaws of your walk with God or maybe of your marriage. Sit down with your wife and pray and share. I encourage this in the issue of um, marriage counseling that people will really pray and think about their, their, their excited vision in life. What is your vision uh, why and what, and then write it down. Pour out your heart. You can be right. You can be wrong. You can make mistakes. There can be things. It's not in stone, but it's just something to help you vent, to start to filter and process, categorize maybe, and make things more clear in your own heart and mind. And then talking to another person, the, the spouse, uh, the one-to-be, if, if it is God's will, there should be an, a somewhat of an alignment. If somebody says, I want to dynamite through the world, run through the streets preaching everywhere, and the wife says, I never want to be seen in public ever in my life, then you really need to pray about this marriage. Hello? Amen. Practical. But so few people have an understanding of who they are. So few people have an understanding of their purpose. And so few people can be hypocritical. So they would say one thing with their mouth and yet in their heart be something different. And so we always, I always hear... Many of our ungodly students and ungodly churches, and I love to preach to sinners also, and ask them, what do you want in a spouse? Oh, they'll tell me the glories and the beauties. You know, if you're a professed Christian, oh, I want a godly woman, a godly brother, man, just, I just want this godliness in their life. And I'm like, but a godly woman wants a godly man. And they're like, oh, yeah. So that's why we've been talking about what we've been talking about. And people have this glorious grand idea of what marriage will be like and their glorious godly spouse that'll just be like an angel from heaven. And they themselves want to live like something else. 
And then they feel like when they get together, then their life will just be good because now they're married. <laughs> you're not going to change somebody. And unless you know yourself, you're not going to change either. So I'm laying down a few practicals. I'll start forward and then go back again. But um, there's some core values. There's a mission statement, who you are. What is your organization? Who are you? What are you doing? What do you intend to do? And why? So we have governing principles, right? As all of us as children of God, what is your supreme purpose in life? To glorify God. To enjoy him in a communion, a fellowship. Do you understand? The greatest commandment, love God with all. All. And as though that weren't clear enough, all the evangelists said, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. All, all, all. Do you understand? Okay, so there is number one. And number two is equal with it because it's a branch of it, but love your neighbor as yourself. So, beloved, here's the two commandments. And we know that all things were created for his pleasure and for his glory. Now, I pray that you would have a very um, a thoughtful analysis of yourself. I pray that you would learn to examine yourself. And as you write out somewhat of your mission statement, somewhat of your purpose, somewhat of your vision of who you are or who you think you are, I think this is a huge thing in the body of Christ that we get together and we learn and we grow and we prepare all these giftings we know we have, maybe God might use them. God might say, you're excellent at playing the guitar, but set it down. Okay, you'll be like, okay, Lord, is that really you? Yeah, I have witness, it's you. Okay, you're really good at a good job and it's, it's an opportunity to serve God and God says, leave the job and follow me. Are you willing to obey? But there might be areas you might be like, no, I never want to do that. You know, the shy one that says, I never want to be out in public. Well, why? Just because I'm embarrassed sometimes. Okay, well, we can overcome fear so we can work through fear. And so you strengthen areas of weakness whereby there might be this edification, okay? As a believers, we are part of the body of Christ. And there's strong and there's weak and there's diversity in every different kind. But where there's a little weakness, there's a lot of opportunity. Paul said, I will therefore most gladly glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. And when you are yielded to God fully and in his hand as a tool or as a weapon and you're filled with his spirit, you can do what you could never dream. And you might not have had it in your mission statement to dynamite through the land and through the world to go preach the word and to testify. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your shy, little, fearful life might be explosive volcano. And I thank God for that also. But we need a reviving in the house of God. We need a clarity of who we are. Now, we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love our neighbor as ourself. We are living for his glory and his honor alone. To enjoy him. To know him and make him known. I made some covenant vows with God and I wrote out very distinctly, maybe some 18 years ago. And I wrote out very clearly some of those things. And some leaders were saying, no, you should never write vows before God. I said, well, these are vows that my soul is banked upon. I have trusted and believed on Christ. And this is the understanding clear from the word of God that I have. And this is what I know God has stirred in my heart and spoken. 
And if I were to deviate from this, I know that I'd be backsliding. And he said, well, you've really prayed through it and thought through it, so I respect that. People might not always understand you, but I pray that you would really search your own heart and know yourself. Because if you don't have a vision, you're perishing. Let me again start forward and go back. Let's look more at the what, and then we'll talk about the how. But that you would have something very clear as a statement. Some blessings that come in this is that there will be a stability in the midst of chaos. When uh, emotions are raging, when turmoil is going on in the family or in the church or in your own life, you have these kind of anchoring points like, I know Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of God. He died. He rose again. I know his purpose in life, that he wants me to walk with him wholly and completely. He wants me to be changed into his image. He wants me to love him with all and to love my neighbor as myself. He wants me to walk honorably. He wants me to submit to my husband and, and nurture my wife and children to obey their parents. And as you start to lay out these solid fundamental points, It helps show you solid rocks standing and islands in the midst of the raging sea. You have more of a gauging point. When you can't see the stars, you might see the rocks. And there's many times that we're like that. I have great counsels. I have great wisdom. And when I'm in the fire, it's gone. And I'm just like, please show me a 10-year-old child. Share with me. What should I do? You know, you ask the 10-year-old, what do you have to do to grow? And they say, read the Bible and pray. Like, yes, that was it. Thank you. Right? I mean, we can have all the right answers. <laughs> we can have a lot of answers. We can counsel others, and yet we ourselves could be missing areas we need to apply counsel. That's why we need each other. That's why we sharpen each other. And as the truth is spoken to us, we hear it and we say, yeah, you're right. Because God's spirit is a spirit of wisdom. And you know that this wisdom is of God, and you know that this wisdom is a nature of God. It's a character. For the wisdom that is of the earth is earthly, sensual, and devilish. But the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, easy to be entreated without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Thank God. Thank God that his spirit can speak and minister practical wisdom. As I said last night, the book of Acts was written after the facts. They had trial. They didn't have answers. They agonized before God. God gave revelation what to do. And we need to be in that openness, vulnerability, and to open up clearly and say, we have issues, we need answers, let's pray. And God will meet with heavenly wisdom. We can bank our life on that. How many of you don't have issues in your heart? We all have issues, things that we really would love the wisdom of God. We'd love Jesus just to sit down with us and just tell us everything that we'd like to know and show us things that we, we'd like to grow in and know and so on. And we'd be really happy if God would just shine light in every area of our understanding that we'd just be wise like Solomon and it would just come overnight. Usually the process of growing in wisdom is suffering. And though Jesus Christ was the son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. It means he proved his obedience by the trial. It's not just... Do what makes you happy all the time. Do what makes you comfortable. There's a leading of the spirit that leads you into that which is uncomfortable. There's a deep dealing of things that are necessary. But these core values, these solid principles, these sound doctrines help in that. Now, I pray if the Lord wills, we'll have more time together here and in India. 
you're all welcome to India. We can have a meeting next year there, no problem. Um, you, you can get a discount for group flights, I'm sure. You know, we know a lot of pilots, so I might be able to rent some plane or something. You never know. But beloved, we should have some time of serious deliberation, serious communication. We have really good materials, a good um, training, like a Bachelor of Theology, basically, but it's free. It's available online. We can share it among ourselves, and then we can learn it, and we can learn to be able to teach it, and just go out and just grab sinners. Go to some churches and just say, hey, I'm here to just bless you, and I'll come for a week, and we'll just teach for free, and people will be open to that. When they actually hear and they see your character, they test you because you seem strange. You're probably one of those, like, weirdos or cults. But then when they hear the truth and they see the truth and they hear you pray and they know your walk with God, they're like, yes, wow. And we need to really be reaching out because right now the churches are a little bit open (laughs) because pastors are extremely wore out. They are suffering tremendously because they don't have some of this ABC to be able to quickly refer back to you. Do you remember why we're here as a church? And bring them back to ABC and then people are like, oh, yeah. So why should we fight about X, Y, Z when we're not obeying ABC? I had some Bible college students come, you know, like lukewarm, ungodly Bible colleges. Anyways, they came and they stayed with us. And oh my, they came to India like the superheroes. We have the answers for the world and they're all, and then it wasn't hardly a few seconds and they're all at each other's neck and they're all arguing and debating and So I heard them, and I asked the question. I said, well, can you give me five commandments of Jesus? Like, yeah, or so I said, maybe ten commandments of Jesus. And like, they started to share, and I said, come on. You guys have like studied and studied and studied. Tell me something quick. One, two, and three, and four commandments maybe they gave. And then this is a team of like, this was like five of them I was talking to at the time. And I said, now tell me this. How many of those are you obeying? then why are you going to argue about debatable things in the Word of God just to say you could prove a point? Where If you're not obeying the ABCs, how can you grow in wisdom even to reach anywhere near XYZ? And they said, that is wisdom. (laughs) It's very easy for us to get distracted in our little rut. And I want to defend my doctrine, my stance, my my thing. And there is a, a time of communication, question, answer, that I really believe this is true. Now let's talk about it. As a church, are we going to embrace this new type of ministry? Are we going to do this new thing? Are we going to allow these types of people here and so on? There's healthy things in the body that we deliberate on. We might see one aspect very well and we said, this is very good, but others will see it differently and be able to communicate differently. But that's the respect in the body of Christ. Again, we go back. We have a reason of who we are, what we are, why we are, and then we even have more communications of convictions as a church who are we why are we what are we and what are we doing how are we doing it and families to be able to have that same guidance blessing and conviction and these things are very important to think through because it helps you with your purpose in life now if you feel like god has really given you an insight to see issues and to pray fervently for them yeah you might have a gift of a prophet god will use you to just pray And he might just radically move just by your prayers. I've seen huge doors smash shut and burst open just because of prayer. You never know what God will do through your prayers. And don't feel like, well, I'm just a little boy. I'm just a young girl. If you walk with God, you can see things and you can pray. doesn't matter how contentious your parents might be, you know, bucking heads like rams. But if you would pray, God can bless. Hello? We don't have to follow those examples. We can make note. Okay, I'm not going to do that. Right? Maybe you have a little list. 
things I do not want in my spouse. Hello? I'm not trying to criticize y'all, but let's have some checklist. Yes, 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 or no, no, no. Hello? In India, we have this process of like uh, assisted introduction, arranged marriage. And there's some principles that are in place by family, the parents or the leaders of the church. And they say, we want this, 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 and this. Now you share the application with us. It's basically, it's a picture. It's information of the personal life and of the education and salvation and where they're at and a bit of a testimony from the pastor. This type of thing, basically. And they analyze and they pray over the applications and then they say, okay, you're chosen to come for a proposal. Proposal means the first meeting where you talk, where you deliberate. Is this uh, something that could be feasible or not? Um, Is she pleasing? Is he pleasing? Are they, you like their disposition, their attitude? And so the first meeting, zero emotions attached. Hello? You guys don't know what that means? We got to work on that. That's something we got to pray about. Okay, that's something else I'll bring to you. We'll, we'll pray about that later because I think it's really neat. Um, but it's a blessing to have assistance from godly parents or godly leaders because they know what is good and they know what is bad. And you might not have even had a clue to ask some of these things and yet parents and leaders. So the leaders and I talked for a long time. So I was fascinated to hear their thoughts, their convictions, their applications of the scripture and so on. So I had a good idea about my wife Poor girl, I I knew a lot about her before she knew anything about me. She didn't know I was coming for a proposal until the day before I came. They said, well, you better tell her. And then she's all fearful. She already had some bad experiences, and people come and abuse and interrogate and ask mean questions, and, well, what grades did you get there, and what was your score there, and why did you do this, and what are you doing, and (laughs) don't know what to answer. But I came, and they interrogated They had principles. And then I passed the first through the leaders. And then when I came and met the family, then the father talked to me and asked me questions. Tell me your life. Tell me your testimony. Tell me your love for God. Tell me your love for the Bible. So I just opened up my heart and started sharing. And his eyes got big. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, you love Jesus. And so the mother-in-law is going, Like, now is my turn, and I only have one chance at this. He's already stopped his questioning, and now there's a million more questions. And so an excited, concerned mother, you know, highly caffeinated maybe, I don't know, but (laughs) she was ready, and she just started one question after another, after another, after another. Well, I had already had a vision because I had one, two, three, four points that I know of my life and my ability, my gifting, my calling, or what things we might have to go through. So I knew there were some hard points to swallow. And I wanted to be transparent. Now, somewhat of my calling can be very hard. And we will be hated and will be persecuted. And we might have no friends. And that's very common for me. But coming from a super oversheltered home, she never had any experience like that. So I knew I needed to communicate that to the parents. One. Two, we don't know where God will lead us, but we're determined to follow. No promise to go to the glory land of America. We might end up going to Pakistan, which is, you know, an arch enemy of India. Like, since the war, they're just like, you say Pakistan and the Indians are like, nah. if there's a cricket match, it's like a war. And they're, they're watching this cricket match and they're like, India's going to win it. Yeah. And they're just, I mean, they'll start burning cars if they lose. I mean, people will go outside and riot if they lose a cricket match. It's like baseball. It's like, are you kidding me? Is there such strong emotion? So I used the illustration and said, we might even go to Pakistan. You know, just be straightforward. You got to be ready. 
We might go to China. We might die. We don't know, but it's not our life and it's not our determination. But how can we say such things? Because we have an idea. I had an idea. Now I'll ask you again, what do you think of yourself? Now we need to be able to analyze ourselves. We need to know ourselves. And I think it is, we should take it with a grain of salt. I've taken personality tests. You know what those are? They kind of tell you somewhat of your personality. Well, I think that those things are extremely inaccurate, but it can give you a general idea (laughs) Uh, because I think I've taken them maybe three or four times and almost three or four times they've come out different. So it depends on if you're in the flesh or if you're in the spirit, if you've had a good week or not, um, you know, (laughs) how your relationship with with your wife or husband at the time, um, how you've been doing in your life with your children. I mean, there's so many things that will impact you that will divert your mind in an extreme different direction. So Take it with a grain of salt. It can be very instructive, but it might also be very wrong. So you might not be as weak as you are, as you think you are, and you might not be as strong as you think you are. There's a lot of things that God uses, but you could get some ideas if you took a couple tests. Um, But just interesting, because there are some general principles of different types of personalities, and we could show many of those traits. And it's good if you understand a little bit of yourself, how you respond in situations, areas you have strengths or weaknesses, because if you understand that, then you know if you're building a business, you know what you're looking for. Now, I know myself very well, so I know my weaknesses. So if I'm looking for partners or people to hire, or if if we ever had people applying, then I know at least what I'm looking for. I've invited you guys a million times. You never came, but you're coming. But we communicate, interview. I know my weaknesses. And if people were there that, that compensate that, that makes a powerful team in business and in ministry and so on. Um, ministry is a bit different because it's kind of like the spirit that moves like the wind. God can take nobodies and bring them along, and all of a sudden, they are somebodies, and they fill every single gap you never knew you had, and God can just work wonderfully. So the kingdom of God is a little bit different. In business, we do not do that. (laughs) We don't just say, oh, he pleases me. You're hired. No, he said, no, 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 no. What is your life? What is your attitude? What is your character? Um, There's a lot of things, but these things are important for you to know. As leaders, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? And if you have people that are godly, that that have that testimony of godliness, right? We've gone through certain principles, and then we hear more of personals. Then we could find people that actually have conviction. Now, all of you will say you believe in all the core principles of the truths of the Word of God. All of you would say our mission statement that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died, that He rose again, He's coming back to judge. We believe in the, the judgment the quick and the dead, we believe in eternal heaven, eternal hell, we believe in the rewards and so on that will come to the righteous and to the wicked. But how we live our lives speaks very differently to show really where we are hypocrites or where we are not living consistently. That's why if I'm going to teach some very important personal convictions or very important convictions that are not spelled out in the Bible, I would walk somebody through simple biblical doctrine first. So if I have a starting point, I'll walk them through A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and help people just to lay everything out in front of them. They already know it. Most of you like that, you already know these things. But when you have them again presented to you, it's kind of a refreshing. If you never heard it, you feel really refreshed, like, hey, I knew that, but now I see it. And point by point by point by point by point. It's very profitable. If I had a church, we would do that. Even though all the people might be really mature in knowing these points, we would do that. And then we have a quick reference point. So if we just say such and such a doctrine, then you would know. Some people of the Brethren Church in India, I didn't like praying with them because I'm very poor in Bible memorization as far as Scripture references are concerned. 
And when they would pray, they were super spiritual, and they'd say, I pray Hosea 3.5 and Genesis 6.5 and, and Matthew 5.10 and Revelation 16.15. And I'm thinking, what are they praying? Like, just at least give me one or two words and I can follow you. you know? I'll, I'll, I know it, I'm sure, but just like help me. And so sometimes it's nice to be able to have a reference. So if we've shared on meetings on five or six scriptures and we pray just that reference, it carries a lot of meaning. Very good for families, I'd suppose, that really have poured into their children. But in the same way, simple biblical doctrine is a quick reference point. We know this about God. Do we believe it? We know these principles of application and obedience. We've all agreed on it. Are we walking in it? Do you understand? So now we've got an overwhelming solid ground of truth, right? A foundation and light shining on it. Practical applications to the principles of the word of God. And we are walking in obedience to it. And our conscience bears witness in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God bears witness. We bear witness one to another. And we're excited. We're just loving Jesus. Now, again, as we go through a new principle or go back and remember some old ones we might have forgotten, we might see, hey, wow, I've been missing that principle. Let's say humility, thinking about others, caring for others, meeting others' needs rather than my own. This principle is refreshed. This fruit of the Spirit can be brought out by a practical application of the principles. Holy Spirit now is reminding you, love your neighbor. And then you're like, yeah, let me be selfless. Let me add more words to that. Humility, um, helpfulness, tenderness, you know, willingness to confess. So I come and confess and we pray together. It's a sign of humility. It can strengthen. When we get praise, we can redirect it to others and to God. We're not saying, yeah, yeah, it's because of me. And so some few words of some character qualities learned, some applications of the Word of God, some things that we've taught in some sort of uh, fellowship setting or group setting, we can remind those to our children. Children can remind us. We can remind each other. And then we are walking in obedience to the truth. Right now we have like these mile markers as you're cruising down the road. Even if you didn't have a speed limit sign or a speedometer working nicely, you could set it and you could say, okay, I'm going this fast. And so from this one mile to the next mile, bam. My daughter said, let there be light. Sorry. But you know, there are mile markers. And it's a neat thing to know where you are at. Now, I've asked you, are you obedient to the Lord? And you might say, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. And I haven't read much of the Bible for the last year, so I don't remember much of it, so I'm obedient to all that I can remember. Right? You might not say that, and I know it's not like that, but, but well, I just haven't really read anything that really just convicts me. Okay, well, that's what the body is for. The body might present some principles, like let's say the word humility. You know, when was the last time you heard a message on humility? Or when did you see an application of that? Now you're refreshed in your memory, and you're like, whoa, I've been really proud this week, this month. <laughs> and so then, wow, we respond. You get the idea? In your family, you're to be a leader. Men are to guide their households. We guide by example. We guide by precept also. We teach truths and we apply those truths to practical living and we live those truths. And that is a great blessing when there is this application, because then when we teach about obedience and submission to the vision, we say, this is what God has called us to as men. And this is the call that God has to women and fellowship and union and communion with each other's husband and wife. And this is what God has called children to do. There are some simple points 
Whereas we don't have to wait till the explosion to see that, oh, there's sin there. I know when my girls need a spanking, I just wait until they're clearly in the disobedience and then they receive the correction they need and they are healed. That disturbance in them that they're just not getting over, I see, oh, I see this, it's rising. (laughs) I'm watching really close now. I'm going to save the other little one, poor little girl playing nicely and all of a sudden the other one's coming like a panther. And I'm like, uh, (laughs) and you catch them. (laughs) How often can we have that nature? God said, I know you need a spanking. <laughs> it's showing. And, but after the spanking and the communication, they know, yeah, okay, I, my emotions were high and I chose to do what I knew I shouldn't. I just wanted to do something because my emotions were disturbed. I wanted something. And so we're trying to help our girls, like learning how to ask for help, like Papa, help, <laughs> you know, set the timer, uh, help me to get what I want in a correct way. And it's neat to see little children do that. But you can train them. The same with us. We can be encouraged to communicate one to another and encourage each other to be honest and humble and confess. Obviously, by these things also will come a clarity of integrity because we have a fresh standard of clarity to test by. We have a standard of solid doctrinal truths and applications and and a, a framework whereby to judge, are we walking in the spirit or not? Because usually if I say to you, are you walking in the spirit? You picture this like, oh, this lighthearted, just happy type of nice fruits and good things that just flow. And I'm just like an angel. And if I fall, then I say, I'm sorry. And many times people get that idea. When we talk about walking in the spirit, we think of this super spiritual life where we just float along with ease. I don't know about you, but it, it's often like that for me. I'm thinking, am I walking in the spirit? Am I walking in practical application and obedience? Am I really acting in love? Usually I'm not looking from the outside very well, so I feel like, yeah, I'm walking in love. And if you were to show the videotape of me, I'm like, no, my facial expression, attitude, and the way I spoke in that situation was not right. You get the idea? So we can be like, oh, yeah, I'm in the spirit because I feel good, but yet the way we're communicating is like... <laughs> controlling or mean or rude well we we need to judge ourselves okay you should know yourself that christ is in you lest you be reprobates that you're in christ that that christ is really in you and that you are in him and that you're walking with him that you've known and applied the truths you've been born again you know him and you love him okay and that you are walking with him as lord God's very merciful, very patient, but he sends his spirit and he corrects, and we've talked about that. God brings directions and corrections. But we need to be sensitive to his conviction. Sometimes God has to shout in our ears to show us our faults, right? God sends along a husband, a wife, or children to show us our faults. By ourselves alone in the mirror, we look really spiritual. But when God sends along friends, family, relative, fellowship, trouble, the flesh rises and we say, (laughs) that wasn't right. Okay, I'm happy I'm one of the only ones here that's ever struggled with that. But there's a blessing when we have each other. And sometimes we are weak and we need encouragement. So the Bible says, warn the unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, and see that none render evil for evil unto any man. Whatever follow that which is good. Right? Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. What a simple, solid, practical of some good points. But how we ought to love one another with a pure heart fervently. 
It will help people also to be anchored again. If we say, brother, are you really fulfilling the calling on your life? Maybe you're busy with a good job. But what things has God put in your heart? Is there anything that you could do to use your time more wisely to fulfill what God has put in your heart? Areas of weakness maybe you can work on. Maybe strengths that you should be using. What are you doing with your time? And I think that blessing comes in mentoring, communication, fellowship, and that type of like life coach. That's what we do is mentoring. But to help people really grow in their gifting, and yet they could be working the job with the same hours, still being a father and still being a husband and still a breadwinner and the bread baker. A lot of different things that could be going on in one's life. And yet we could still be growing spiritually, and we're encouraged by that. It might only be 10 minutes a day to X, Y, Z. Maybe you should start learning Hindi, right? 10 minutes a day, you can start learning the language. So when you come to India, at least you can easily speak some things. Praise God. It's very interesting what you can do, because if you were all, let's say, you were to teach all your children languages, do you know how easy it is to get online and preach? My Indians, if you wanted to minister to Indians, you could have a friend list of five or 600 Indians in, in a couple days. And you just send out some messages in Hindi and, and copy and paste some scriptures and then send some voice messages and things you don't know how to type. And it would be amazing if you actually have given care to learn the language and you're preaching truth to them and you ask them questions about their language and culture, they're happy. They'll hear what you're sharing. They'll see it, but they'll be happy that you're asking questions. And I mean, you could have hundreds of friends, you know, talk about pen pal. They used to wait like months to get a letter and then that too, they'd get it and they'd write a little letter and send it back. Now this way is like instant. <laughs> so you could set a day once a week. Anyways, I've mentioned these things before and nobody, nobody took that up. It's just kind of like cool things that come in the mind and are gone. But I share it to say this, that there's little things that you can do to grow. Little things you can do to examine yourself. Are you walking in what you should be walking in, doing what you should be doing? Because you are most satisfied and God is most glorified when you are 100% yield and filled with his spirit. You might be very busy in your work, but you can do it with the heart of Christ and with the mind of Christ. And if you don't have to actually focus and think, you could actually have more time just to free meditation and thought. Maybe you could listen to the Bible on audio. I think I listened to the Bible about... Uh, 40 times before I memorized it. Before I memorized the New Testament, I had been through it 40 times before that. Then at the time of memorizing, then, you know, maybe another 50 times or something. So it's very easy to memorize if you've heard it 100 times. Don't waste your time. How long do you guys drive to get here? Even you guys local, right? If you're driving here, you could probably go through two chapters of the Bible. I'm a little more radical, fanatical, and I'm, I'm good with English, and I read quickly. So I put the Bible on double speed, just like we now have on some of our apps. So I understand it because I already know it. So it just brings it back to remembrance. It's a blessing. You can also be radical. Come on. And in that, I'm not going to tell you, follow me as I'm so radical in some strange things. Right? But I pray that you would have some practical applications of truth in your life that would inspire people to follow you. Let me share with you some meditations. And I want to share with you some scriptures. Again, Proverbs 29, 18. We mentioned this and we know it very well. <clears throat> Proverbs 29:18 Where there's no vision the people perish but he that keepeth the law happy is he He that keepeth the law happy is he 
Let me read to you in another translation. When prophecy fails, the people will be scattered. Yet truly, whoever guards the law is blessed. Wherever there's no prophecy, wherever there's no clear truth, wherever there's no clear vision, the people perish. When prophecy fails, the people will be scattered. I pray that we would always have an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we are applying the truths of God in our hearts, the principles of God. And when we read the Word of God, we think about God and His nature, we think about practical applications, we think about ways that we can encourage and bless others also, and just walk with God. That if we said, okay, I want to give you five minutes to share the testimony of how you've applied the word this week, you could quickly share. Because very often in preaching on Sundays or Wednesdays or Thursdays or whenever and every time, we hear a lot of truths, a lot of words, even some commands and things like that. And yet we ask, how many of you have obeyed what you learned last week? How many of you have applied anything from the message you heard two days ago? It's very easy for it to just come and go. We kind of judge it and we give mental assent. Yep, that's biblical truth. Good job, Don. <laughs> yep, that was good. Uh, good delivery. I didn't like this. I like that. That was good. I didn't like that. And then we let it go. Rather than saying, God, what do you want to speak through this donkey? Lord, what are you speaking to me in my heart? That's when your life will be blessed. We're not just here to be sermon tasters, but God help us that there would be no failure of prophecy. It means a clear communication of God's word and truth. So I thought today we're having maybe a three-hour meeting. Is that right? Maybe four hours. Okay, well, maybe not. Okay, so we'll have another meeting again in the evening, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. We always like interrogation. Question and answer. <laughs> People often don't ask me the questions like I'd like to answer. They, they have a lot of interrogative. Like one brother said, I want to catch you alone, and I want to ask you, you know, a bunch of questions. But at least his questions were easy. <laughs> Where are you from? What do you know? So on, so on, so on. Here's a translation for translators from Wycliffe. Um, I love the King James Bible and I love the Greek and so on, and I, I'm very leery to touch other translations, but I'll read through all of them. And um, these are some very simple English translations with 1,800 words or 1,600 word vocabulary. So if the field worker who's working on translation knows this good base of words, he can easily uh, translate in his language. And so um, it just tries to transfer concept for concept which I found to be basically consistent with the concepts that were taught in most cases. Depends on which translations. But Wycliffe worked really hard to have this clear. But when the people of a nation do not receive messages that come directly from God, they do not control their behavior. God is pleased with those who obey his laws. That's translation for translators. translators. Right? When, the, when there's no clarity of the word spoken, then the nation is just like a people that have no message directly from God. They don't control their behavior. What do you think? How many Christians don't control their behavior because they didn't have a clear, piercing, pointed word calling to obedience? These things command and teach, Paul said. The word of God is profitable for doctrine 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. There's a lot of things that are spoken in the Word of God that speak clearly to the nature of what God is really speaking. I pray that we'll take these things very seriously because this is just the beginning. And obviously, again, we'll have more question and answer time later and pray to cover as much as I can at this time. But these things are very easy to be able to search your heart on. Are you really hearing from God and are you walking with him? Have you written down or thought out clearly a systematic theology, a systematic communication from God? Are you walking in obedience to God, the truth you know, and are you growing in more truth? Okay, those are some important points. You have to have a common vision for a business in order for it to succeed. There needs to be a clarity of communication for vision when you have leaders working together. Because commonly, there's not a common vision. And that's why we talked about in the issues of marriage, when you come together, there should be a common vision that you say, yes, I am agreeing this. There's a blessing in this. I pray that you would think very clearly about some of these things. We'll work through some of these things. We'll have a lot more time later. My daughters are starting an early morning prayer meeting. Usually it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We're praying fervently and crying to God together. Sadly, they go back to sleep a lot easier than I do. So involuntary prayer meetings are important for growth. And when you know your weakness, then you can pray more clearly about it, right? Amen. I'm happy some of you parents sympathize my growth maturing, right? Wisdom and revelation is gleaned through practical applications. What principles apply in this situation? And how we can grow in heavenly wisdom. And somebody who's heavenly wise can look at a situation with just a clarity and a freshness of mind. Whereas people that usually are in a business setting and they're, they're, they're skilled and professionals in a certain field, they're so clouded over with other things of this world that they don't have a clarity of mind even to apply the, the, the technical things they've learned or to remember things that they're studying. Many students in India have really good brains. They've learned to memorize, but they don't know how to rationalize it or analyze it or apply it. And so you ask them, what does page 57 say? And they'll tell you, da 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 Then you say, now apply it. Apply page 57. They're like, um. So they never had to do that. Now on the judgment day, God is not going to say, now recite for me such and such. God isn't saying, now show me that book of doctrine you were studying. He's going to say to you, look at all the truth I spoke to you. Were you walking in obedience to them? Were you walking in obedience? We might err in some points of theology, but if we really love God in light, we will grow in light and in truth. And the more we grow in this way of wisdom, the more we will see clearly. And if I were going to press and present personal convictions to you, I believe that most of them I can press with such a clarity that I could convince you to believe the things that I believe the way I believe it, even though they're not at all written in the Bible, because it's an application of different principles and then observations and things that you see and how things are beautiful and other things are just not. And when you look at it and present you before your mind and heart, you can see and agree, yes, this is better. This is more pleasing to God. And really the problem that we have in churches today and in families today is that same issue. It's an issue of matter of thought and of law rather than of heart. Because if the heart is right, we're moldable. I want to change in my life. And those at the discipleship spoke very clearly. Applications to the word of God, the way they believed it. And they said, do this, 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 this. 
None of those things were written in the Bible. And then said, not only do it, but do it from your heart as unto God. So children obey your parents. But they're wrong. They didn't communicate it to me right. Well, God didn't say that. Right? Submit to leaders. Right? As those that must give an account. I mean, your leaders are not always going to be right. Parents are wrong sometimes. Leaders are wrong sometimes. But the blessing abides in obedience. And he said they were far off. And the further off they are, and the more you really pray to apply that principle, the more the reward If they're really missing it by a mile and they're persecuting the righteous and you see it and you know it and yet there's some place that God says, as you prayed fervently about obeying this truth, as you prayed fervently about obeying this truth in this situation, I will reward you all the more. And God might lead you and all if you need to go from this church because they're veered very far off and they are determined to go in their direction after you've applied other principles and so on. You've confronted one-on-one, talking one-on-one, two-on-one, and there's confirmation of others, and you just quietly, peacefully depart. But yet you're to submit. See, there's some interesting things when you apply these ABCs and you look at what you know of God and that you're walking in obedience to it, you have more clarity. And as you pray to apply these principles, you grow in heavenly wisdom. Praise God. He's honoring those who will honor him in spite of our extreme ignorance and we as human beings know like almost nothing compared to what we could know or what we ought to know and different civilizations different generations have had so many different levels of good knowledge and absolute lack of knowledge but now the bible says now that we have the opportunity to have the word of god and the holy ghost indwelling that teaches us we need not that any man teach us but the same anointing teaches us of all things. It means now by the word of God, by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will teach you and inspire you. And when you come and you hear the truth, you say, yeah, that's truth. You know, the Holy Spirit's already showed me something like that. And as I hear it, I say, yes, that's good. And I understand. And we learn and we grow from each other. But they're all the most important things that are necessary for life and salvation and stability can come to anyone who sincerely believes. And then there's confirmation in the word and confirmation from the body and from the family of God. Do you have a mission statement? Do you have a vision? Can you write that out? Do you have personal convictions? Why? To what extent? To what aim? Yeah, it's true. Some leaders have a pride, an ego issue, and they just say, I want everyone to sit here under my footstool. Right? There are some people that are corrupted, and they just want your money, and they just want your praise. Speak well of me, right? There's, there's people that heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Tell me what I want to hear. And my, there's heaps of preachers like that. Now, by the grace of God, I know who I am. I know who Jesus is. He's my Lord, and I'm going to submit to him, whether you like me or not. Many times I'm invited to not come back to a place again. Sometimes I'm invited not to come back for many years, but later on somebody realizes, hey, this brother's speaking on behalf of God still the same as he was before. Maybe he's grown. You can come back. I've had that happen quite a few times. God has a purpose. But if I thought that God called me to please people, I'd be of all men most miserable. I'd be like, well, I can't even hardly please half of them. Even when I tell them everything I think they want to hear. Well, do you know that God has called us to be persecuted? You know, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're going to suffer, but God chose to use this path of suffering to teach us and develop us, and strengthen us on this foundation, which is Christ. 
And so all of these points we've talked about is really Christ, because we wouldn't love him if he didn't first loved us. He gave himself for us. He's loved us before the foundation of the world. He provided the atonement. God has provided the atonement through Jesus Christ, and God has provided all of these things. The summary of the whole gospel is Christ, and the joy of our life is Christ, and the vision of our life is Christ. But as we start to detail that according to what God has shown us, we get more of a clear vision. That's why we're to earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered to the saints. We should have a clarity of biblical truth that we say, this is what I stand upon, and this is what I will die for. Do you understand? That is conviction. And thank God for it. Now, I have personal convictions, and I will die before I bend. But sometimes there could be a principle that I've known and obeyed and I've loved and I found this solid and true, and yet other counsel and communication and situation, God might inspire and say, no, this principle doesn't apply in this situation. And there can be exceptions. So, since I don't want to preach for three hours straight, there's an appeal process for children also who want to appeal to their parents, little children. You say, it's time for bed, you need to obey. And they know it's time to obey. They know it's time for bed, but then they don't want to listen to you and they just want to keep playing with what they're playing with. No, that's not acceptable. You are being disobedient. You understood the truth spoken You are able to obey it, and you are not. You're in rebellion. Then comes the punishment, okay? But if that I say to you, it's time for bed, and you're playing with your toy or reading a book, and you say, I want to finish this chapter. I have two pages left. Can I please finish this chapter before? Well, okay. Well, now you are ready. You are already walking in the direction of obedience. You're already getting ready to say, absolutely, I'll obey, even though I'm really engrossed in this. Then the children have an opportunity to appeal and say, no, could we make an exception to this right now? Can we do something else? Do you understand? This is healthy. We have principles in the business. This is who we are, what we are, why we are. And here's a lot of practicals we've detailed. Now you might say, This is not efficient right now. This principle is not working. And based on our higher core values, we could change this to be like this and it would be better. Okay, great. Let's do it because we already have a framework of who we are as a company, our mission statement, who we really are. Do you understand? In the church, we have this core values and we will die for this. And as we are laboring and evangelizing, we're going to always have to pray and prepare and seek God fervently. How do we apply these principles and walk godly? And God will give directions. There's an appeal process. If there's godly leaders and all of a sudden situations arise, some uniqueness of setting and you have to go mingle among a lot of other churches and a lot of things are going on that you usually wouldn't do, there can be fervent prayer and communication. What should we allow? What should we do right now? What is the answer from God right now? How we can meet the other churches and how we can mingle and yet how we can be separate and how we can encourage as well as learn, Lord, what would you have for us at this time? What is wisdom in this situation? We have these core principles and we have these convictions and according to our law, our standard, our clarity, this would not be good, but we could do like this or like that and God can give practical wisdom. And that's why we often speak these things practically. We always talk about being led by the Spirit. We talk about the fruits of the Spirit. But I pray that you would be encouraged that you're not alone. There's a lot of different levels whereby we can come to conclusions and formulate convictions and so on, but there's a need for it. We need direction and clarity. We need purpose and vision, and we will guide accordingly as 
men or husbands of the household will be able to have a framework whereby we can always talk. So even when the emotions are saying, I don't want to obey you right now, you remember the simple truths of who God is and the practical application, and then you're encouraged. And there's a blessing in it. Now, there's also a blessing of uh, direction for family. Children see that you have principles and that you always are applying those principles. You are consistent. And this is one of the interesting core principles that I found in Christian and non-Christian families. Those children that felt like their parents were in unity. They spoke with one voice, one heart, one mind. They followed. And they had respect for their parents. No matter how wrong or bad their parents might have been. Men to submit to God, wife to submit to the husband, and children to submit to the parents. Isn't it a clear example? And us men fail often. What are we going to do about it? And how we deal through that failure sets the example. It paves the path for children to understand the way of growth and maturity, failure and success. And practical wisdom can be gleaned when a father can say, okay, children, let's pray together. We really want to be changed and I want to be able to nurture you and your mother and pray for me that God will give me heavenly wisdom and this blessing of grace to care. And the children be like, yeah, yeah, dad, you were really far off. You blew it. Let's pray. And there can be love and acceptance. But it's applying the principle so clearly and thoroughly and consistency, it shows that your Lord is not yourself. And as you're submitting to your Lord, it's an example. As you're submitting one to another in the fear of God, it's an example. And the young people follow, and there's a blessing. Well, we'll continue on. I pray to be able to answer more of your questions without um, you know, preaching to you again this afternoon. But um, by the grace of God, we'll have our meeting this evening. And we'll share a lot more practicals and a lot more persuasions and a lot more scriptures. I'm sorry, this is just a, a broken foundation. I didn't patch it nicely to, to present from scripture a lot of the things that I'm sharing. But may God bless us as we seek his face. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you are the Lord of the harvest, that you are the head of the church, and that we know you. Lord, not just the theory that we've understood about you, but we intimately know you. And Lord, this is eternal life that we might know you, the one and only true God in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this blessed stability that we have in life, that though we might know nothing else, we can yet testify the essentials of life. As Paul said, I determined to not know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified to present such standards of truth and clarity that even in the midst of chaos, there could be stability of clear principles shared. Lord, I pray even no matter where we're at, we would be ready to communicate love to one another. As the guiding principle of our heart, we'd be ready to speak truth one to another. Even if we're in the ship raging and we're tossed to and fro, we're ready to fall out of the ship as it seems and we're in chaos. Yet, God, we could hear you and see you and understand your truth that you are the Lord of heavens and earth. You're in the boat with us and you arose and you said, peace, be still. The raging waves and winds can stop. And again, we marvel at the truth we'd already heard, we'd already seen, we knew it very well. But, Lord, in the time of chaos, we cried to you and you answered Lord, we thank you for these simple truths and principles that we don't have it all together and yet we can grow in wisdom. We can lay a foundation for many generations. There can be clarity and stability in our life, in our family. There can be such glory and stability that it can be passed on from generation to generation. 
Many denominations had great power with God and clarity of who they were and what they were, and yet when people lost heart, when they were ungodly, when they held those truths and those principles without application, they failed and faltered, and the denominations have turned aside, and there was need for a fresh reviving and a new group and so on. Lord, please have mercy in these days that we live. We thank you we are at a pivotal time. We're at a time when people are looking for something stable and solid. And when they find it, they know it. Not just religious traditions passed on, but a living Christ who is a rock and the principles apply. And there is blessing. Even if we don't understand all the principles applied in a specific uh, denomination or, or doctrinal structure or statement, yet, Lord, we see something that is genuinely from God and it's so much greater than other places and we want that. And, oh, as we are changed into your image and as we humble ourselves and submit, we can learn and grow. And Lord, we're not esteeming our own individualism, but the unity of us all. We strive in such a manner that there could be a blessing of unity in the Spirit as we will wrestle together in prayer because there's many issues facing each one of us individually. There's very many issues that we need in wisdom to guide our children because if we have diligent care, we'll be humble to confess it. If we really believe, our brothers and sisters will pray fervently with us that we might gain the wisdom needed to be faithful in our duty. And for church leaders and leaders that we would be humble and ready to pray, that we would be serious to seek the face of God and that we could all join together because we count this such a high duty, such a responsibility, that it's far beyond just yesterday's manna. We have stability of principle and doctrine, but Lord, there needs to be extra wisdom from on high and discernment, a word in season for them that are weary to know how to warn the unruly in every new way to comfort the feeble-minded in a new way, to rebuke and to warn with all long-suffering and doctrine that there could be a blessing in the house of God. Lord, let us tremble and fear at our duty as leaders. Leaders in the body of Christ, as members in particular, and as husbands and wives leading their children. Oh, the accountability structure is sobering, but wonderful. Because, Lord, we are ignorant in many things, and yet we cry out to you and you give us wisdom. Christ revealed in every situation, which is wisdom revealed, which is how you would conduct yourself, what you would have us to do, and the power to do it. We thank you for that. It's not just a principle of the mind, but a power that burns within, an ability to do what we couldn't do, where we could discern that we have asked you for this thorn to be removed, and you said no. And we said, okay, Lord, and you give us peace and grace, and then you tell us that, yes, it's because of my grace that you can rejoice, and then we can therefore rather glory in infirmities. Glory in my weakness. For When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And when all my strength shall fail, I shall with the God-man prevail. Lord, by your Spirit in us, we have power beyond our ability. We have wisdom beyond our years and our ability. And Lord, this wisdom is from on high, and it carries with it a character that ministers wisdom to everyone that sees it. It's self-evident, and the Holy Ghost also bears witness. Lord, please raise up such men with stability, with vision, with clarity, with passion, with power, with humility, that we could grow together as the body of Christ, edifying one another and building up one another. We love you, we praise you, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read for you a hymn as I close. <clears throat> I appreciate our discipleship training and I'm grateful for the solid truth. And this has been one of our theme songs, I guess. So, um, the materials are very simple and kind of available for the world. So 
Uh, if you have a bad teacher, it could be really bad. But if you have a really a good teacher, a godly teacher, it can be really good. But listen to this hymn. This has been my theme song as we are in my house. And my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations because that's what God said he wants of his house. And my house is his, so we're going to be a house of prayer. I looked for a wall banner. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. I couldn't find it in India. Even in America, I couldn't find it. Now, it's probably there somewhere. So if you find one, you can bless us with one. My house shall be a house of prayer, and I couldn't find it. Why aren't people thinking about prayers fervently? But I'm deeply humbled. This is the, the motto. I guess you know me, most of you, so you, you wouldn't be surprised. But this is our motto song, and I'm very grateful for it. <clears throat> um, I never met the man personally who wrote this, but uh, Leonard Ravenhill really uh, loved a lot of his materials, and this guy was very avid in studying and reading and praying, and a good brother, and I know many. I know his son and many others in the fellowship there, but uh, Glenn Konjarski wrote this and he passed on long ago, but he wrote some good materials that Leonard Ravenhill also passed along a lot to new believers. And I think I put that in digital and set that up so I can share that with you also. And again, a disclaimer, I want you guys to be in touch with me, so make sure you get my Indian number and message me on Signal or WhatsApp, those messaging apps, because I want to keep in touch with everyone individually. I love to hear from you. I'll pray for you. You pray for us. I can share specifically according to your desire. If you say, we really want to pray for you, then I can share, you know, a lot more. And if you say, well, we'll pray for you once in a while, then that's fine. I can share different stuff with you. Um, but I do want to be in touch, and I'll share more materials with you. Listen to our motto, our, motto, our theme song. <clears throat> God, give us men endued with power, to meet the challenge of the hour with apostolic zeal inspired, with apostolic fervor fired. God, give us men of single eye to live for Christ, for Christ to die, who press to meet the battle's strife and love the gospel more than life. God, give us men as true as steel to stand for truth they know and feel, who scorn to compromise or bend, for frown or smile of foe or friend. God, give us men who fast and pray in supplications night and day, who toil and labor and travail, who watch and wrestle and prevail. God, give us men with weeping eyes, who preach and pray with tears and sighs, who plead and yearn and plead again and move the hearts of God and men. God, give us men of courage strong to face the persecuting throng, the raging storm, the lonely jail, and never flinch and never quail. God, give us men to preach, to pray, to fill the gap, to lead the way, to light revival fires again, to work, to weep. God, give us men. Lord Jesus, again, give us such a heart, Lord, that we'd be full of your spirit and fire. Our weakness would be dissolved in the light of your glory and goodness, and we would discern who you are. Give us the fire to stand in this truth that we know and feel and that we'd walk with clarity and conviction and that we would have this stability of character like a rock when this world is shifting to and fro. They see people with clarity of stability and maturity. It's so rare to find real men. We don't find them here nor there nor politics nor high nor low, but men of God have clarity from on high. Give us such prophetic voices of people that are just like a rock in their generation, 
As we hear of Samuel, that from his youth to age, not one of his words failed. Lord, we thank you that you give clarity to your people to speak that which is right and true. As we grow in truth, we continue to live and preach the truth, and we can have a character as solid as a rock because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Bless us, God, to be of one voice, one heart, one mind, and one accord, that we would wrestle and strive and endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, and, Lord, that we would wrestle and labor and prevail by the power of God, that we would weep, that we'd travail, that we'd see souls saved, that we would see revival fires lit again. We trust you, Lord, to give us such men. And Lord, with that, we know we're the women of God who will labor and weep and pray and the children who will grow in grace and glory, who will pray fervently and be a blessing. God, we thank you for the glorious trickle-down effect of the stability that comes from godliness. And thank you, Lord, for practical applications of the truth whereby we can be godly men and women. It is you in us, you leading us, and you through us. And we want to be humble to face our issues as well as humble to apply our strengths and not take confidence in ourselves or our abilities. We give you thanks and praise for this fellowship and time and this communion that we have with you and each other. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Eating or what's everybody's welcome? Okay, all right. So some practical things. Um, some of you young folks, if everybody would pick up the blue books, the bigger ones, and stack them together on the piano, and the other ones stack them together on the piano. Um, and then some of you, if you want to fellowship, either step outside or not too many people in the kitchen, I guess. Some some of the ladies want to help over there. That'd be fine. Um, and we'll turn around the first row, the third row, and then we'll slide the tables in and so forth. So, um, oh, uh, are you available this afternoon, Don, or do you want to have a break? Uh, Brother Don, are you available this after lunch? Okay, so how many of you would like to ask some questions after lunch, or would you like to have him preach again at uh, 2 o'clock or something? Right. Okay, there's one few people would like to. Okay, so all right, you're, you guys, okay. And some of the young people probably, um, but anyhow, um, not against playing some volleyball, but it, I think it too would be good. We'll have a little question and answer, and then after that, you'll be free till supper or the meeting at 7. Is that clear? I thought at 2 o'clock, is that too soon? I thought I'd do it sooner than go for an hour or so, and then people can either take a nap or the young people that like had lots of extra energy want to either pray or maybe use some of their, huh? Well, I don't know if it needs to be mopped, really, but yeah, somebody wants to help mop the floor after we eat. If everybody uh, kind of cleans, be careful and doesn't dump their plates and stuff, we won't have to clean <laughs> so much but if there's little children yeah it would be nice if somebody wants to sweep and stuff and we'll reset up the chairs after lunch um did i miss something jesus christ is lord is he lord of you is he lord of me that's the question thanks for the some of the practical things i think that's some of the areas i've been lacking clarity so i can what does it say he that runs that he knows the message he's going to give so he can make it clear. Um, okay. So pick on one of you young men to pray. How about Titus? You want to pray for lunch? And everybody can stand up if they want.